Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Shaddai means the God who is more than enough. That's what it means. Means the God who is more than enough. Father, we thank you because you are more than enough. You are the self-existent one who is more than enough. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Are we going to have a great time in church this morning? We all give the Lord a clap. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Let's have a seat, please. Uh, just a quick announcement before we get into the Word. Ready to learn this morning? The, the second service used to be louder until you people oversleep before you come. You're not more quiet than the first service. Are you ready to learn something this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, just to say this, uh, we're going to have a wow Sunday, the first Sunday of August. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. We're not going to wait for the virus thing to clear up, so we're just going to have time and enjoy ourselves. Praise God. So if you don't have your wow t-shirts... Uh, that's the recommended wear for that Sunday. So, if you if you can if you want to get one, it's fine. But if you don't want to, it's okay too. But we advise would like you to get one. Okay. So if you don't have your wild t-shirts, they are available after service this Sunday and next Sunday. I think it's about three thousand five for t-shirts. So we're gonna have a Sunday wow Sunday. Praise God. Uh, we'll keep with our regular attendance. But I mean, we just feel we need to just worship God. We can't wait for everything to be over so those who are at home also who are live streaming um you wear your wow at home and send us <laughs> and send us your wow pictures okay so we can look for a way to get the t-shirt to you if you don't but we will just go ahead with what we need to do praise god come on are you excited this morning are you ready to learn this morning come on i can't hear you are you ready to learn something this morning god is good amen let's pray let's get into the word Make sure you have your Bibles with you. We're not projecting scriptures this morning. Glory to God. Those of you that are planned with scriptures in mind, today is your day of disappointment. We're not projecting scriptures for you. Father, we thank you. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. Thank you because the Holy Ghost lives big on my inside and grants me utterance. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Okay, we're continuing with our series on faith to overcome the world. How many of you have been learning some good things in this series? Faith to do what? To overcome the world. Praise God. Now, we're in part five of this message. And it's been awesome. And we've, we've tried to define the world and talk about the whole concept of the ideology of the world. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let's build from there. Ephesians chapter 2. And now, I'll start reading from verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and from verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And I made mention of this on Sunday when I talked about the fact that a man cannot give his life to Christ. You know, we have that statement. And you say, when did you give your life to Christ? Well, I gave my life to Christ September 2nd, 1986. You didn't have a life to give because you were dead. The word dead means uh, without life. 
So what you actually did that day was you accepted the Lord as your Savior. Now, when you accept the Lord as your Savior, then you can now give your life in the service of the Father. Do you understand that? Are you, are you understanding this? You know, some of these things, we say them regularly until they begin to lose meaning. So we have to go back and re, redefine and re-clarify these concepts. For instance, let me give you a popular concept. You want to say, the Lord is good. You know, what's the response? What's the regular response we give? If I say, the Lord is good, what's the regular response? All the time. But what's the Bible response? You know, the God, God is good all the time. It's not, it's not the Bible, right? What's in the Bible? The Lord is good and His mercies endures forever. That's what's in the Bible. But you realize that you don't know what's in the Bible. You just know what we say regularly from the pulpit. Offering time. No, it's not there. <laughs> Glory to God. So we need to reclarify some of these concepts so that we are saying and meaning the things that God is meaning. Words are important. So in Ephesians chapter 1, it says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So it was defining a class of people that were dead in sins. In which you formerly walked according to the curse of this world. Praise God. According to the curse of this world. Now you realize that he uses the word curse of this world. C-O-U-R-S-E. The curse of this world. Like a four-year course, a five-year course. The curse of this world. So there is the curse of the world. Please, I need to pay attention to that. If, you, if you're using your Bible, underline that or write that word down. The curse of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So it talks about the curse of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Now it says, according to the spirit that is now walking in the sons of disobedience. Now, it talks about the cause of the world, the prince of the power of the air, and what? The spirit that is walking, walking in the sons of disobedience. So, I talked about that in the previous series about the God of this world. The God that operates the system of this world. So, there is a cause of the world, there is the prince of the power of the air, and that is the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Now, if I say the sons of disobedience, I'm referring to those who go contrary to the will of God. Now, go to verse 3. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. The lust of our flesh. Now, observe that. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now, that word indulging in the Greek literally means doing. And the word mind there in the Greek means thoughts. The primary way the enemy gets into your mind is through thoughts. And that's what the devil does when he's trying to influence people. He influences them by giving them thoughts. And that's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. One of the greatest ways that the enemy influences believers to live worldly and carnally, it's by influencing them through the broadcast, what they watch, the media. The media. So he says that we, we were formerly living in the lust of the flesh and we were doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, uh, a couple of days back, I was, we just stumbled on something on TV. It was like a soap opera or 
one of these things, the act. And um, the boy proposed to the girl, you know, this whole kneel down, yeah, flower everywhere. She said, yes. Did all the pictures snap. And uh, in the next scene, I saw they were together. The girl was on the bed and then the guy came in and wanted to lie down in the bed. So I asked, uh, so I was asking my wife, like, like, I thought this guy just proposed. Are they married, you know, like in the film? Have they done the wedding? I mean, the thing was quick. So my wife said no. So I, I told her, I said, you see what? You see, the more we constantly feed on these things that looks like movies, that's why unconsciously we begin to accept cohabitation as if nothing is wrong. You know why? Because that's what happens. You watch a movie constantly. You feed on a movie constantly. You feed on a movie constantly. And in the movie, cohabitation is designed as a normal part of life. What it does to you is it begins to deaden your conscience towards the instruction of the Lord concerning that. And you almost, you almost feel that that's it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Are you still ready this morning? Awesome. So, it, it says that there is a cause of the world. And it's, it's many. There are many things like this the world begins to push that gets into our thought concept and it, it, begins, to, it begins to orchestrate the way we see things. Do you realize that if the devil can get you to be carnal, he doesn't need to fight you anymore. You're self-destruct. You'll be a powerless Christian. Your spirit is saved. But you're now dealing with issues around your mind. Your thought, how you see things, perspective. And we all have this struggle because we want to stay in relevant in a world that God has not called us to be relevant in. Are you, are you still here? Now go to Romans chapter 12 now. Romans chapter 12. Thank you Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 12. Popular verse of scripture but we're going to unpack it today. I love God's word, I tell you. I love studying the word of God. It's life changing. Praise God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. It says, your bodies should be a living and holy sacrifice. So God is interested in the holiness of your body. He's interested in the holiness of your body. And we need to, we need to push these things again because we don't even talk about holiness anymore. The holiness of our bodies. Is, is God is interested in it. He says... <laughs> Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, he calls it a living sacrifice because in those days, the animals that were to be sacrificed to God were to be killed so they were dead. But now you're living because you're alive. And you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In fact, in those days, God never <laughs> took an animal that had blemish and spots. That is why in the book of Ephesians, when the scripture is referring to you, it says that you are without blemish. You are pure and blameless, without blemish. That's what Christ has done for us. Christ came to take our place and to give us that righteousness so we can approach God. Are you still here? You know, someone asked me a question the other day, 
And you know when the, the scripture, this is a bit of a digression, but uh, the scripture was talking about Daniel, that he was praying and the prince of Persia stopped his prayer for 21 days. And then you see people come up on the altar and say, let's pray. And let's pray this morning. Let every prince of Persia who is trying to stop our prayers, we take authority over the prince of Persia. Shouldn't say that. It's a very ignorant prayer. And I, and I, and I, shared, the, I shared three scriptures with the person. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word is established. Praise God. And I shared three scriptures with the person. Book of Hebrews says we should approach the throne of God, the throne of God with boldness and mercy. We have confidence to come to the throne of Christ. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Praise the name of the Lord. And we know that He hears us if we pray according to His will. These are three three scriptures that tells us that listen, all our prayers get to the ears of God. The Prince of Persia is not between us and God. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. If we pray according to His will, He hears us. We have boldness to approach the throne of grace. And in fact, if you study that scripture carefully, you realize that the prince of Persia was a physical person who hindered the answering of the prayers of Daniel just as, uh, just as Paul talked about uh, uh, the messengers of Satan that buffeted him. It wasn't a spiritual prince over a region that stopped the prayers of Daniel. Because if the prince of a region can stop our prayers, it means that our prayers are not effective. But the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is effective and dynamic in its working. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And we've got to see scriptures for the light of what it is. I, are you following this now? Now, I, I want to say this right. We, I'm, I'm primarily a Bible teacher. So, my greatest passion is accuracy and interpretation of scripture. That's my, that's my heartbeat. See scripture for what it is because that's the office I occupy. And so, uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to also approach if you listen to me from that perspective, you've got to listen to me. Don't listen to me with a, yeah, but it is working. Yeah, no. I, I'm not for what is working. I'm for what is right. For what is truth. But you know the funny thing, truth works. Are you following what I'm saying? Instead of, yeah, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you help someone. Instead of feeling like, oh, my prayers are not passing the ceiling. They don't need to go there anyway. God lives in you. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? Alright, now. Go to Romans chapter 12 now. Verse 2. And do not be conformed. Come on, everybody say, do not be conformed. Say it loud and clear. Say, do not be conformed. Okay? He tells us not to be conformed, then he tells us what to be. But we should be what? Transformed. And he tells us the process. What's the process? By the renewing of our mind. Three things that are important there. Number one, do not be conformed. Number two, be transformed. Are you here or you're going home? You're here. Number three, by the renewing of your mind. So write those three things down. Number one, do not be conformed. Number two, be transformed. Number three, by the renewing of your mind. Praise God. Okay. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay. Now, number one, do not be conformed. It tells us what not to be. Number two, it tells us what to be. Number three, it tells us how to become what it wants us to be. So the process is clear. Now let's look at these things here. What does the word conform mean? You're going to have this note with your tape, so, with your message. So don't try to copy everything. Just listen. If you listen, you understand it. Okay? Don't try to write. Alright? 
you, you have this thing sent to you. Once you get the message, you get the PDF so you can follow this up. The word conform means sochematizo in the Greek. And it means to fashion alike. It's taken from that word to fashion alike. To fashion alike. Or to be conformed to the same pattern. Or to fashion self according to. To fashion yourself according to something. So for instance, I've got a glass of water here. If I take this water and I pour it in this glass, it's going to take the shape. It's going to conform to the shape of this glass. Am I right? Talk to me. Am I right? Now, if I take this same water and pour it in the bottle of Coke or Sprite, what is the water going to do? It's going to conform to the shape of the bottle of Sprite or the bottle of Coke. If I pour it in a basin, what's the water going to do? If I pour it in a basin, what's the water going to do? Say it will conform to the shape of the basin. Say that. If I pour it inside basin, what is it going to do? Perfect. Now, what this means is that the water cannot transform the cup. The water cannot transform the bottle or Sprite. The water cannot transform the basin. Because you cannot transform what you conform to. You cannot change what you are like. Are you following this now? Now, to conform means to flow into a pattern of something. Let me read the message translation for you. Let me get this quickly. Read the message translation for you. And say this. Thank you Lord Jesus. I like the way the message puts it. It says, so here's what I want you to do. Do God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture, listen carefully to this, that you fit in without even thinking. Message translation, Romans chapter 12. It says, don't get so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Believers were never designed to fit in. We were designed to stand out. If we start fitting in, we're conforming to the world. Are you still here? So it goes on to say, I'm reading the message translation. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. Develops a world for maturity in you. Two words I want you to take from the, uh, the message translation. It says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. And also, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. And that's something that gets into us. Conforming is to fit to something. You conform, you like it. You know, they used to tell us about the chameleon, Right? If the chameleon gets into a green grass, it becomes green. It gets into a red grass, it becomes red. Some people are like that. They get in where their friends are unbelievers and they do all kinds of things. They fit in. They get into where people are speaking in tongues. They fit in. Canal Christian, sense ruled, mind ruled. 
And what the world wants is to get you to fit in. God never designed for us to fit in. You cannot change a world you're fitting into. And, that, and if you look at the life of Daniel, that's what happened. When the king of Babylon says everybody should bow down, what did Daniel do? They refused to bow. They did not fit into that. Now what happened? When they went through that process of fire, when they came out, the king Nebuchadnezzar says, let the God of Daniel be worshipped all through Babylon. You know what has just happened? Daniel transformed worship in Babylon. How did Daniel transform worship in Babylon? Come on. How did Daniel transform worship in Babylon? Come on, talk to me now. How did he transform worship in Babylon? He stood out. He did not fit in. If Daniel had bowed with everybody else, he couldn't have transformed Babylon. Why do you think there's still corruption in Nigeria? Because Christians fit in. So you see, the culture around us wants to drag us down to this level of immaturity. I always say this and I'll loud it loud and clear because I feel it's an apostolic message that God is putting in my spirit. One of the things we need to stop in church is doing our acts of charity publicly and showing it all over the world. It's anti-scriptures. God never designed the believer to give that way. The believer is designed to give in secret. You know, a couple of days back, someone sends sent somebody here to, to clear the grass in church, just clear the compound. And so, uh, the person came out and I found out, and, and I was asking the person like, oh, so who sent you? Say no, the person did not mention, he said I shouldn't tell you, but just paid me to come clean, 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 clean the compound. So I was telling my wife about it, I said, oh, but the person would have mentioned to us so we can thank, 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 thank her or something. I, you know, I think, I don't know. And he said, you know, but that's what, you, that's what you're teaching. Uh, yes, that's true. That's what I'm teaching. You realize, the teacher, I just realized that's what I'm teaching. These people are getting it. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's how Christianity should be. Are, are you following what I'm saying now? We were designed to give in secret because our God sees in secret and He will reward us openly. But how did we get this whole thing of giving publicly and everybody having to do is because we want the world to praise us. You can do stuff and record and show your partners, but you don't need to put it all over the world. Because that makes it look like you're the most compassionate pastor in the nation. Zero. You've got your reward. And how did we get all these things into the church? We went for our family meeting, and everybody had to donate to buy Papa's coffin. This one said, I'm giving 2,000. So I said, I'm giving 4,000. The pastor in the meeting said, This can work in church. Stand up in church. Who are we using here to give 20,000? Somebody gives 20. Say, ah, if that man can give 20, I can give 25. What is supposed to be a pure, honest giving to the kingdom becomes competition. And then the pastor doesn't have matter. Say, if you give 25, I'll show you 25 blessings from the book of Psalms. In 25 minutes, in 25 seconds. Listen to me. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1. That is, that is already in, encoded inside of your spirit without giving a dime. And then all the rasmatas happens. And then you come back. And it becomes a culture that even when a pastor is invited to preach, they put it as part of your mandate that you must raise an offering. You know the funny thing? When people invite me to preach, part of my acceptance later, I put it there. Please, 
I do not and I will not raise an offering. And when I invite people to also preach here, I share with them, don't bother to raise anything. So what about if the Spirit of God is leading us? He will let me know. I'm the pastor of the church. And then you hear all those funny statements. I, I don't usually do this, but I say, I say no, don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. You don't usually do it. Don't start here. Just start somewhere else. Do you know that the Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus? And no mention of him was made in scriptures until he came for the body of Jesus. Those are the people funding the ministry of Jesus. No special seats, no special nothing. We must return Christianity to what it is. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Because I know that there are people who are listening to me who are going to give millions of naira to the gospel and there will be no noise about it. No pressure. Because if an offering is not willing, it is not accepted. Glory to God. So, confirming. I've used offering again. And church, it's confirm. Confirm. We must deal with these things. There are subtle ways where they get in. I'll use another example. Just a couple of examples to help you. Now, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. That word was there, used in the Greek, is aeon. A-O-I-N. It means age. It doesn't mean cosmos, which is the physical world. It means age. Now, let me give you an example. We all can be in this world, but we are in a different age. You have the stone age, where stone was the major tool of our Greek. You have the technological age. Machines were developed. Right now, which age are we in? Which age are we in? Information age. Hope you didn't say TikTok age. <laughs> We're in the information age. So this, this, this world is driven by data and information. Now, if you buy a cell phone, a smartphone, and you give to your grandmother in the village, you will need probably your cousin or your nephew to help your grandmother understand how to operate that phone. Am I right? Because although your grandmother, yourself, and your niece are in the same cosmos, the same world, you are actually in a different age. So your grandmother's world, and your cousin's world, and your niece's world is different. So I'll give an example. I got this uh, PS4 game that I play with my kids. Okay? So I bought the game. And, of course, I've been playing soccer for a while. So I... Beat the guy a couple of times. Beat him very well a couple of times. And then, but then I don't play all the time. I just play with him maybe once a week or twice or something. And meanwhile, during the break, he's going to study all the free kicks, study all the moves, study all the stuff. So, two days ago when the guy was playing with me, he trashed me. So I was telling him that if you keep beating me like this, then I'm going to ban you from playing. But you realize that it's easy for him to adapt to that thing, play that thing so well, because that's really like his age. In my own age, our computer games was, was bottle covers, labeled with Ronaldo, and sugar, as gopos. That was our FIFA. We could literally pick our FIFA from the ground. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? So, I'm talking about age. So, every age have what drives them. Now, let me give you another example that you, you understand this one now. There was an age where a beautiful woman was defined as a chubby woman. I don't use the word fat, so people won't say, yeah, you call those fat. Tell your pastor. 
<laughs> so they say chubby is the word to use. So a beautiful woman was chubby. Am I right? So if you were as lean as my sister, before you got married, they took you to the fattening room. And they fed you, made you eat, made you eat, made you eat until you were swollen up and you rolled down the eye. That was beautiful. And then the age of Agbani Derigo came. And beauty was defined as how slim you are. Am I right? And then people were not eating anymore. She said, oh, I don't want to eat. I'm washing my weight. I'm washing my body. Okay. The definition of beauty is changing now. There was a time where to be a successful man, you need to have a lot of farms. Another age came to be a successful man, according to the world's definition, is to have a lot of children. That's why some of you have 20 brothers. Some of you don't even know your brothers. Me. She takes somebody to the house. I want to marry this person. Say, where are you from? Hi, my name is... is Ah, Janet Wu. Ah, he's your cousin. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Because that age was defined by how many children you have. What defines success in this our age? Come and talk to me. What defines success in this our age? In one word? Money. You guys are brilliant. Money. But you know that money and material possessions that define success is the very thing Jesus said does not define a man's life. How many of you seated in church this morning are feeling so bad about your life because you don't have as much money as you should have? And the reason you're feeling bad is because you've taken the world's definition. You know, most of you are not as poor as you think. It's just that the world has made you to really think that you are poor and you can never have peace. Let me announce to you, not everybody will be a millionaire. But God will richly supply everybody's need. So you realize, listen, I'm, I'm going to So you realize that because the world is defining success as that, even in the scriptures and in the church, we now make all our messages about how people can get money. And that's the problem. Because instead of us teaching the world for what it is, we are trying to fit into the world. Now let me tell you something. Let's go back to that definition of beauty. If a man, the Bible talks about the beauty of his holiness, right? Sham is deceitful. Beauty is fading, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. If that does not become your definition of a woman, of beauty, if I do not rate a woman of beauty by her fear of God, you know what's going to happen? When I'll be pushed into adultery, I will not know. And you know the reason why? Because the world is redefining who a beautiful woman is. So you get married to your wife. And she's got kids for you. Two children, three children. And, of course, she's adding a bit of weight. She's walking. Things are happening. And then, she's not beautiful anymore. And you start looking for who is beautiful outside because you have accepted the definition of the world on who is beautiful. So you see sometimes some pressure on married women. Married, have three kids... Trying to get things. I see them talking in the morning. Oof, oof, oof. What are you doing? Losing weight. No problem. You should lose weight. But see, that whole definition of the world out there, you will never be able to keep up with that. Because from losing weight and appearing slim, they start doing body changing surgeries. 
Change your hip, change your lips, change your side, change this, change this, change. Because the world is constantly redefining these things. And unfortunately, even we who are believers accept this definition. And we allow that to drive us. And that is the definition that drives the lust of the flesh. Are you seeing how subtle this thing is? No, sometimes my wife comes to me and says, ah, I think I'm adding weight. No idea. I think I'm losing weight. Probably no idea. You know, if you ask me, you know, she does this hairstyle. How's this hairstyle? Awesome. How is this one? Good. I mean, don't just go extra, extra. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that if I want to start going by how you are losing weight, how you are adding color, how this one is... You, we will enter an unending journey. You know why I love you? Because Christ says, I should love you. It's independent of... You know, because let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you go after this relationship because of what the person possesses and all that... I mean, God forbid, just, just an extreme example. You marry this lady because you love her boss. That's your attracting factor. That's your motivation for victory. And God forbid, she gets cancer. And you don't have enough spiritual substance to deal with that thing. No enough faith to deal with that thing. No enough fear of God to deal with that thing. And those things are cut off. Do you realize that for the rest of your marriage life, your motivation has been cut off? I mean, we laugh about it, but this is the truth. This is why some people cannot stay with people. Because whatever attracted them there in the first place was not a covenant reason, was not a Bible reason. I cannot marry a man. I cannot marry a man who is poor. I've I've been poor before. Marriage is not the solution to your poverty. You've got to deal with it in your mind first. And so you rush after this man with money only to realize the man has zero ethics and zero principles. Then even though you are in in an unconditioned house, you sweat in daily, internal sweat. And you know the funny thing, you keep posting on Instagram, wow, 70 year anniversary, woo, my sugar, woo, my bop off. And then you are liking I'm like, oh God, I want to be like them. See, never, let me tell you something. Never pray to be like anybody. Pray to be like Jesus. I'll give you another subtle influence. Motivational speakers will stand on the stage and say, you can be anything you want to be. Whatever you dream, you can achieve. Whatever it's in your heart, you can become. If you swallow that thing, you might dream things outside of God's plan for your life. How many of you know that a true Christian cannot become whatever they want to be? There is a plan for your life. There is a purpose for your life. I have always wanted to become a social study lecturer. If I had followed that plan, you know where I would be right now? I'd be at home, COVID-19 strike, or doing Zoom classes like Gideon, teaching social studies from the back of my, back of my, this thing. Are you following what I'm saying? That was what I wanted to become. That was my dream. My dream has always been to be a professor. That's my dream. I've always, I love to be a professor. Always been my dream. In fact, if you see the way I teach, you will know that that dream is still somewhere. (laughs) Are you following what I'm saying? That's why I teach the way I teach. I always, I always love working with students. I love imparting knowledge. It's the, but you know, but that thing might be a gift that God is giving to me because he was calling me to the office of a pastor teacher. But if I just follow motivational speakers, where will I end up? 
teaching social studies. If I become the most successful social study professor in the world, you know what would have happened? I appear before God, and I'm like, God, you know, we made it. And God is like, you know what? From day one, you missed it completely. The fear of every believer is not to succeed in the wrong thing. Don't succeed where God is not calling you. And why am I giving all these examples? Confirmation. Why is it difficult for people to answer the call to missions? Because as a missionary, you're not going to have money. You're not going to be rich. You're not going to be known. Are you doing things that will just make people know you? Or you're doing things that God has asked you to do? How did David Livingstone come to, to Africa? He says, provided, I'll go anywhere, provided it be forward. The missionaries of John G. Lake in South Africa, when John G. Lake, John G. Lake was very wealthy, was very wealthy, very wealthy. Way back then, John G. Lake was so wealthy, he had an insurance company. He sold everything, sold his business when God asked him to come to Africa. In fact, he sold his business, gave everything away, came to Africa without a dime. And you know, in those days, it's not a day of somebody waiting for you at the airport. God told him, go to Africa. I'll provide for you. He came to Africa and he was to pay, I don't know how many dollars a day in the ship when he came down to, to go into South Africa. The money was not in his pocket. But God had spoken to a woman two days before John G. Lake came. Go to that place. A missionary from, from, from overseas is coming. His name is John G. Lake. Pay the money he needs to pay and, and take him to your house and take care of him. You know... This is not just like the man heard God. A believer also heard God. If it were some of us, we would not hear God at all. The man would be stranded. And God would say, I've sent them with transport to... <laughs> That's what happened. When Paul, was, 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 uh, when Paul became born again, who did God speak to to sort him out? Ananias. A certain disciple named Ananias. I'm going to do a teaching on that. How your, your, your hearing God can impact on my fulfilling purpose. You know, when I stand here to preach, I look like I'm the biggest thing in this church. But that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. I'm not the biggest thing in this church. I'm obeying God and your own obedience to God can determine if I get to fulfill my purpose. And I'll deal with that. But you realize that? John G. Lake came. In the world's eyes, that will not be success. There was a time in John G. Lake ministry, there was no mission, no money to pay mission. I planted 500 churches before he went, went back. And you know what? I told the missionaries, you guys need to come back. There's no money. The missionaries came back and said, you know what? Give us some time. Let's meet. They all met and decided. And you know what? We will die if there's no food. The only thing is let us be buried properly and acknowledged. They all went back to the mission field without an assurance of what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Some of them were literally buried. In fact, if I have my fast correctly, John G. Lake's wife died out of taking care of too many people. Cook it, cook it, cook it, cook it, cook it, cook it. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? In the world's eye, that will not look like success. I'm trying to show you subtle ways. Look at our definition of fashion. What's our definition of fashion for, for ladies? How, how much part you can expose. That's your definition. Go on social media and post something correct. Nobody will like it. Post a, a very mad picture of yourself. Say, wow. Ooh. Hey. Love emoji. You, 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 thanks, dear. Thanks, dear. Thanks, dear. 100 comments. 78 chairs. We've got a celebrity mindset to our, for our purpose. A believer must learn to be conservative. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. Are you still here? Now, let's look at the next word there. Transform. Transform. 
The word transform is metamorphor. Metamorphor. It's from the word metamorphosis. It means to change. To transfigure. Note those two words. To change and to transfigure. To change. So God doesn't want us to conform. God wants us to change. Now, the word conform is used twice in the scriptures. Let's, let's, let's look at one, one place it is used. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Are you still here? Say amen if you're learning something. Thank you, Lord. First Peter. First uh, Peter chapter 1. And I want us to read from verse... First Peter chapter 1 verse 14. Let's look at where that word was used. First Peter 1 14. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. He says, don't be conformed to that former lust. That whole lust thing that drives this world. He says, don't be conformed to it. Don't be conformed to it. So Peter picks what Paul was also speaking about. The word metamorphosis or transformation or transform is used four times in the scriptures. It's used in Matthew 17 verse 2, Mark chapter 9 verse 2. That was the transfiguration of Jesus. That's the bodily, the, the, the bodily change of Jesus. Then it's used in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Then it's also used in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Where it says, as we behold in a glass, you know, the, 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 the word of God. As we behold in a glass, we're being transformed into that same image. We're being metamorphosed into that same image. It means as we constantly behold God's word, God's word changes us into that image. We have to have that consistency. Let's look at this picture right here. That's... You know what metamorphosis is in biology, right? A profound change in form from one stage to the next in life. And the history of an organism as from like the butterfly, from the egg to the puber to the larva, and then becomes a beautiful butterfly. So, that's what you have there. So when you get born again, the seed of God's word, that word seed is the Greek word stematozoa, it's the same thing as sperm. The seed of God's word is planted on your heart. And then the scripture says, desire the sincere meek of the word that you will grow thereby. So as you constantly feed on the word of God. Remember what the message translation said about Romans chapter 12? It says the word constantly drags you to its place of immaturity. But as you constantly feed on God's word, the seed, the consistency, you turn out to become a beautiful butterfly. But you know, this process is truncated when you allow the enemy to get a hold of your mind. And so you're not completely transformed because you're not constantly beholding the word of God. You're beholding stuff. I have to put this up the other day. How many of us wake up in the morning and the first place we go is social media? Just go on Facebook. Get up first in the morning. Pan notification. Now wow. 30 minutes gone. Feeding yourself with lies, vanity, gossips. Who like your post? Who didn't like your post? Who commented? And then you enter Instagram, feed yourself with some half-naked ladies early in the morning. Bam, bam, go on Twitter. See how many people are dead. You go to check uh, coronavirus statistics. 37 dead. 17 new cases. River State, ah, 1,000 way. One hour. Feeding yourself. And you know what? That now drives everything you're doing that day. Drives fear. Drives lust. So when you see a lady up in the street, instead of treating her with purity, you are remembering the Instagram pictures. 
So your mind, you are photoshopped out already. Drives your conversation. Or you watch a celebrity posing with wine. A first class sitting with wine. Say, life is good. You just get gloomy that whole day. Say, 32 year old millionaire. Say, hi, I'm 39. I'm late. You know, let me tell you, some of those things you watch, you see on social media, they are lies. See what Hush Puppy and your people are doing, Abi. But you see, let me tell you something. You know, I travel. God has enabled me to travel a bit. Sometimes when we are traveling, eh, let me tell you, let me just tell you this secret. When we are traveling, eh, you normally pass the first class, business class, first class, before you get to the economy. I have not done first class and business class before. So when we are passing, you just see some of these boys quickly. They rush to get in front. Just give their friends camera. So boy, just snap news. I'm telling you the truth. They just quickly go. Why everybody's trying to settle? They just sit down in the first class seat and just pose and snap, snap, and they go and sit down in the economy. They never post the pictures of the economy. They will just load Instagram. Thank God for everything. Hi, like hi, and it's a lie. Because if some of them fly first class, their whole generation will pay the bill. They may never, that business might never take off. I'm telling you, now there are people who do that genuinely, but I'm trying to tell you, some of these music stars that you see on all these jets, some of them is promotion by their companies, by their music brand. Because once they get on that jet and they get on these things to do this stuff, you, the world goes after them. Some of these things is fake. But that is what is giving you high blood pressure that you are going to chemist weekly to cure. It cannot be cured. The cure is to delete your Instagram. That's your problem. There is no medicine. Even the little you have, you are giving. Say this high blood. They have tried all the drugs in you. It's because it's not that you are sick. It's your mind that is sick. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, you never know your curtains is bad until you go to... Have you gone to some people's house and you feel very bad returning to your own house? Just go, you sit down in a chair. Man. Chair just sink you, Dora. Chair just sink you. Ah! Go to your house. You have to tell people where not to sit down. You know, we had that chair before where we were going. When somebody, when a visitor is coming, we just position ourselves in the bad places in the chair. So just leave only the good places. Because if you sit down in the chair wrongly, you might not know what pinched you. So see, nay, we just say, ah! <laughs> no, say, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know the funny thing? You realize that you had contentment and peace of life until you started making some associations. And then nothing satisfied you anymore. Are you following? Are you following what I'm saying? A movie couples comes out and openly confess to adultery. And you see believers sharing the video. Like, ah, at least they are honest. At least they said the truth. You see, you don't know what? Let me tell you this. I mean, I know this is public, so but let me tell you this. You know what? You're not actually accepting that thing, right? As you're accepting that thing, you are feeding these eggs. They're going to grow to become something. It might not be as beautiful as this beautiful butterfly, but it'll grow to become something. And you know why it's easy to accept that? 
Because a popular film person you admire had that issue. If it was your neighbor, you would not go and share it on Facebook that you were honest. You say, what is wrong with this people? What is it? I, I don't know you understand how the world... So when that thing is packaged by a star, it looks okay. That's why you see that every time they score go, hmm, you see cold beer will appear by the side. Shield. Because it's, it's teaching you something. That's the power of advert. It's teaching you something. How did betting... You know, people, people's lives are literally destroyed by betting. And if you are doing sports betting here, you need to stop. You will never win. And I, that's a prayer I pray to God that anybody who listens to me and do sports betting, they, mean, they will never win in this life. Everybody say amen. Everybody. Good. Can't win. If you are under this ministry, you will. Ne- let me tell you, you will never win. And God answers that prayer consistently. You will lose. <laughs> Some people will just say, "Ah, <laughs> man of God, <laughs> man of God." After this one, I beg. After this one, but you realize how did that thing start spreading? How did that thing start spreading? Our major footballers started advertising it. Okocha, Kanu, and all these guys. And we accept those people are successful. I'm telling you how these things and we now have a whole generation caught up in that thing. Sadly, even pastors are opening betting centers as multiple streams of income. What a shame. You know what? Somebody asked me the other day. If you are a pastor and you, are, and you want more money, can you open better than What is wrong? I said, no, nothing is wrong. Let your child be addicted to the gambling. Do you realize that when those people open those betting centers, none of their family members work there except to collect money. They put your own children there and get them addicted and ruin their life. It's like selling drugs because you make money. And I'm bold to say it. Any pastor who's got a betting shop is not called of God. I say it loud and clear. Greed and covetousness have destroyed your soul. And you waste, watch people's families get ruined. And watch people's life get ruined. Watch young people who should be doing something with their mind get ruined because you want more money. And how, why is it that pastors want more money? In this negative sense, the pride of life. How do you destroy other people's life to make money? And say you still want to preach the gospel. Are you following this now? We've got to deal with this thing about, about transformation. If we want to transform a society, we cannot fall in love with a society we want to change. And I see, if you watch all those romance films like Spectacles and some of those movies, they were very careful of falling in love with the women of the nations they were going to defeat. Because by the time you fall in love with a woman... From another nation that you are going to defeat, that war will never be won. Why they are born here? You are busy saving a family. Say now here we go pass. run pass here. You know love is dangerous. Even Solomon said it that one of the things a man cannot understand in this world is the way of a woman. It's the way of a man with a woman. Love is dangerous in that sense. Compared it to many dangerous things. Say a snake in a rock. How does a snake climb a rock? How does a man fall in love with a woman? That sense. What happened to Solomon? He, and that's why God was saying, don't marry. Don't marry. Don't marry those people. 
He married many of them for political reasons. And you know what happened later to the end? The man who stood before God and said, God, give me wisdom so I can lead these people. He married many women. The scripture says they turned his heart away from God. So when we say don't marry an unbeliever, it's not because we don't want you to enjoy life. We don't want your heart turned. You are a firebrand sister. You love God. You love to pray. You love to speak in tongues. You have waited and waited and waited. No, no correct man is coming. No brother in the church is coming. They are not romantic enough. You now meet this guy. He drinks a little, but he can control it. He used to womanize, but he said he has stopped because of me. Welcome to the club. Smokes more. Well, it does not finish once it guys half. But I'm believing God to change it. Even the Holy Spirit told me I can change it. No problem. God that says have no fellowship with a fruitful work of darkness, He's not wise enough. You are wiser. Hmm? <laughs> you are wiser. Because we allow, and you know this thing about marriage and all of this, because constantly living from the pulpit, that is what we teach. Heard, I heard my wife shared something, and I was, I was just laughing. Hustle's <laughs> wife was thinking, You cannot marry a man who is this. You cannot do this. You cannot. And I'm like, Why are you teaching young people this thing? This is worldly. This is not Bible. You know, I can stand there and say, Don't marry a man who doesn't have anything. Don't do this. Don't do that. I can give you all those theories. Ask myself, was I, was I that way when I married? You know, there's a point of preaching from where you are and preaching the truth. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm not saying go and marry a man who is not working, but I'm just telling you, you need to follow God's plan for your life. God told Uzziah to marry a prostitute. That was not in consistence with the word. But he said that. And because we don't train believers to hear God, we pack them with all these social things, all this, all this whole stuff, and it's tough. If you love your wife because of anything external, when those things begin to reduce, your love will begin to work. Well, do you know why I love my wife? Because God tells me the scripture to love her as Christ loved the church. I obey the word. Do you know why she submitted to me? Because God tells her to do so. If both of us obey the word of God, we'll have a sound marriage. Like where you're weak this way. If you like where this is, if you like where turn this way, then this ah, I want ah. When your wife step out, when your wife step out, let people admire her. Okay, so they have admired her now. So okay, wh- where are we now? What has he contributed to either me, the one they admired, or the whole world? You know, we are so carried away by many things. We leave the main thing and start fighting. And we need to. Understand that God is called us to transform this world. He's called us to model new marriages. Call us to model faithfulness. Call us to model fidelity. Call us to model righteousness. He calls us a holy nation so we can show the nations of the world. That's why I most of I love people. I don't put pressure on anybody to get married. So I realize that that is one pressure that when people make a mistake with, you will not be there when the crisis comes. Are you following what I'm saying? The other word is transfigure. A complete change of form or structure or substance as transformation by magic. Dictionary also says by witchcraft. <laughs> but this kind of transformation is a, 
is a, is a metamorphosis that changed your bodily structure. Jesus experienced it in Matthew 17 verse 2 and Mark chapter 9 verse 2. The Bible says his body began to glow. This is a metamorphosis. This is the force of immortality. When you watch some of those science movies, it shows you those things. That's also change. But the change we're talking about is the one that comes from the inside out. Internal change that happens in your mind. The word renew is, a, is an akanaosis in the Greek. And it means to renovate. So to renovate doesn't mean you're taking out your mind. It means you're changing the structures of your mind. Now, if we want to renovate this structure, we need to, we'll just walk on a couple of places, renew certain things, put some new things in it. That's what the word re- renew means. Now, if you, if you check the word renew, it's used twice in the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 and Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Re- renew is used in Colossians 3 10. We're going to we're going to go there. But let me talk about the mind first. Then we'll go to Colossians 3.10. The mind is the word noise. And it means... Look at the word mind. It means intellect. It means mind. Divine will in thought, feeling, or will. By implication, understanding. So, when we're dealing with the mind and how the enemy comes in... And, and why we need faith to overcome this. We're dealing with how the enemy suggests to our mind. So let me give you an example. Uh, let me give you an example now of this. It's used about 22 times in the scriptures. Let me give you an example. Uh, go to Luke 24, 45. Let me show you something. Luke 24, verse 45. Okay, let's read from verse 42. Now he said to them, this, Luke 24, 42. 44, sorry. Now he said to them, These are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So what? So how did Jesus open the minds of these people to understand the scripture? He constantly spoke to them. He constantly gave them information. So how do you renew your mind? Two ways. Write this down. The source of information and the type of information. The source of information and the type of information. For instance, we have someone who is addicted to porn. They are going to have a content of information about sex that is completely opposite. Not knowing those people are on drugs and they are acting movies. That defines sex to you. And if you don't deal with that thing on time, when you get married, instead of enjoying your wife, you will be looking for a porn star. And that becomes a problem to your marriage again. You've got to deal with all these things. Because if Satan wants to corrupt your marriage, he can corrupt it by getting you addicted and hooked to these useless movies right here and build that seed in your life at the egg stage. And by the time you are getting into marriage, you've turned to a perverted sexual monster. And by the time you get married, your expectation of sex is what you've watched over your life. And of course, you are a champion. And maybe the other person didn't have that seed planted. It now becomes a problem. Because now you want an actress instead of a wife. And that becomes a challenge. And you know you cannot go and complain to somebody. That this is your challenge. So you now say, what is this? We are having small problem. It's not small problem. It's a big problem. Say so it's just small thing. We are dealing with it. It's just small thing. And then it becomes... So, so, so what is supposed to be a union of joy? The lady gets fretful when it is time for that. You get excited. Why? Because both, both, you have been fed. 
your mind have been you, you you you've opened your mind to an understanding of sex that is not what the scripture teaches. I work with young people, so I deal with some of this stuff. And for your information, that industry is a billion dollar industry. More money is made from that industry than is made from oil. And who provides that money? Brothers and sisters also. They had a convention in the US. They had massive school of ministry convention and some top ministry convention. By the time they left, they checked the data of the whole conference that took place. The viewing of such movies went up higher than before. Because these are addictions that believers struggle with and will not confront. And let me tell you this. If you have an understanding of this thing is a seed that if I don't renew my mind about, has the capacity to destroy a family that I want to set up tomorrow, it will be easy to, for you to walk away from it. It's not about just seeing these things as sin. I, it's sin, but I don't just want you to see it like, it's sin, God hates me. No, that's not what you are. I want you to see that these things are seed of the enemy into our mind that we need to renew so we can obey the will of God. For some of us, it's those addictions that become a struggle to obey God. Because here, God is putting an assignment in your life, but you realize that you have to deal with this, and you don't have the confidence to embrace that assignment. Are you seeing how the enemy works? So you realize that the enemy can plant a seed in your mind that stops you from accessing the will of God. And you will require faith now. Faith in you being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Faith in the fact that God has given you dominion over sin to walk away from that and start fulfilling God's purpose for your life. This is how this thing is connected. So thought, your thought life also, and I'm going to deal with this on Sunday, the power of thought. Most of us have no clue how thoughts, how thoughts engineer our life. You are where you are today because of the way you've been thinking. You are where you are today because of the thoughts the enemy has put in your mind. If, 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 if the enemy is able to put thoughts in your mind that no marriage can last for a long time, you will not be able to stay married for a long time. Because that thought is going to influence your behavioral pattern. And so you have to ask yourself, this, this thing, does this thought, is this thought from my mind, from the world or from God? We have to find out what God's thoughts are. Begin to renew our mind to it. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? So, it talks about mind in 22 places in the scripture. I will not be able to go through them, but I want to pick up three. Romans 7.23 talks about the law of my mind. Romans 7.3 talks about the law of my mind. Romans 7.25, it says, Then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God. So, you can use your mind to serve the law of God. You can use your mind to serve the law of God. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So your mind is God the law. There's a law of the mind. There is the spirit of the mind. So the mind is a faculty that is productive, that can produce. And so when the enemy wants to get a hold of us and cause us to be carnal believers, he sends things into the atmosphere and we pick those things as thoughts and ideologies and begin to leave them out. For instance, I give you the example of the rich young ruler. Are you still here? 
The rich young ruler in Luke chapter 12 verse 13. What did the man do? He piled up money, piled up wealth for himself and said, I will sit down, I will rest, I will retire, I will expand my band. And God says, you fool, your soul will be required because you're not rich unto God. How did that man get his definition of wealth and money? He got it from the world. I'm going to do a full series on contentment. I mean, I believe in prosperity. God has prospered us, God increases us. But you see, prosperity without contentment, you become covetous. God is against covetousness. Is somebody learning something this Sunday morning? I want us truly to get this thing. I want us to be strong believers. Your greatest resource you have in this world is the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And with that you can overcome anything. With that you can believe for anything. With that you can surmount any problem in this world. You've got to learn that. You know, my son is 11. And I bought some Brother Higgins books for him. And my daughter started reading also. She's five. She's going to six. She's reading Brother Higgins books. And you know why? And I told my wife, I said, you know what? If I teach these children how to have faith in God, and how to trust God, and how to hear God's voice, I am done. There's no way they will fail. My father is not with me here. <laughs> There's nowhere. I mean, bless God for the school they are going to by careless. I mean, my daughter is in Gideon School. How many students are there? I mean, it's a good school. It's a good school. But if you want to go by class, geo. Okay, I'm, I'm not geo, right? <laughs> my father will smack my head. I heard you on live TV say you are geo. Are you taking this church? You know, but if you want to go by, you understand what I'm saying? Class. My kids should be in one of the best schools around. But you know what? I don't care. Is it? If, if they even have schools where they are still writing slates, they can use... I don't... You know what? What I mean I don't care, I really don't care. I'm not saying it because I'm preaching. I don't care. You know what I care about? Are these children hearing God's voice? Do they have faith to trust God? See, by the time these children can hear God's voice and hear faith to trust God, the ones you have sent to the Harvard of this world will work for them. Because all God needs to do is to pass one idea in their heart that has never existed in this world. I'm not saying those schools are bad. I'm just showing you that, you see, even as a believer, your priority for your children, why did God choose Abraham? He says, I know he will command his children to obey my laws. He says, then I'll bring what I've spoken to him to come to pass. Do you value the spiritual education of your children? Do you value the fact that they speak God's word, that they confess God's word, that they declare God's word? What books are you exposing your children to? What materials are you giving them to read? I gave my son a 12-part series of diligence by Brother Kid Moore. Kid Moore is one of the World of Faith teachers. So listen to it daily and write lessons you learn. Right now, Zara and Caris, they study the Bible and they write what they learn every day. Every day. They, like, they do it. They do it. They get up tomorrow and say, what do you want to go and study in school? Find out. I don't have a problem. I say, I'm not going to school though. I'm not going to Bible school. What's my problem? But you know what? By the time they get there, God will begin to put words in their heart and how to fulfill purpose. I'm doing what I'm doing today because I was taught to hear the voice of God. And we've got to renew our mind about, you know what I'm saying all of this? Give me a couple of minutes. You know what I'm saying all of this? We need to renew our mind about training our children and what is success for our children. 
Please understand me. I'm not saying it is wrong sending your children to go to school anywhere. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Get the essence of what I'm saying. The essence of what I'm saying is that do we take that as just what is success for our children or we understand what the Bible says is success and we implement that and these things become added, you know, extra things. The enemy will try to redefine family. And now family is being redefined. To become man and man and woman and woman. And gradually these things are pushed on movies. And we begin to accept them. begin to normalize them. And all the enemy is doing is influencing our thoughts concerning marriage. Influencing our thoughts concerning the institution of marriage. Are you still here? Let's look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Let me see. I really need to finish this now. Look at this. Colossians 3 10. Come on. Follow me now. Are you there? Everyone, let's read together. One, two, loud and clear. One, two, go. And have put on, come on, it's on the board. One, two, go. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to what? Our true knowledge according to what? According to the image of the one who created him. Everybody look up. Three things are underlined there. Number one, this new self or this new man is being renewed. Now, what does the word, follow me now. What does the word being renewed mean? It means it's in a constant process of renewal. Am I right? That means you cannot say, well, pastor, I renewed my mind last month. I'm taking a break. (laughs) No, it's being renewed. Come on, are you following this now? Our mind has to be constantly renewed. Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Mind renewal comes by what? Constant hearing. Come on, somebody say mind renewal. renewal. Comes by constant hearing. That's why you must constantly feed yourself with God's word. Praise God. You must constantly do what? Feed yourself with the word of God. You know what I did yesterday, yesterday night, for about like four hours, four to five hours, I was just listening to messages. Just, just feeding my mind. I just laid on the bed, just feeding my mind, feeding my mind, feeding my mind, just feeding my mind, just feeding my mind. What am I doing? Renewing my mind. Feeding myself on the word. Because these things are subtle. Praise the name of the Lord. These things are subtle. I constantly feed my mind on the word. Take, sometimes, take, go off social media. Put those things off your phone. Sit with the word and wash your mind. Renew your mind. And start seeing things from a godly perspective again. Glory to God. It says, being renewed to what? A true knowledge. Everybody say true knowledge. So, if there is a true knowledge, it also means there is what? Come on. If there is true knowledge, it also means there is what? False what? Hey, come on now. Are you, are you tired? Are you here? Okay. So if there's true knowledge, it also means there's what? False knowledge. Now, if, if my mind is being renewed to true knowledge, it also means my mind can be renewed to what? False. To false knowledge. It can be renewed to what? False. To false knowledge. So if the enemy can get you to begin to listen to false knowledge, what is the enemy doing to you? He's renewing your mind in the regard of false knowledge. So you see where the problem is? problem is in the mind now. Because the enemy will try to give you information that will keep changing your mind and keep changing your mind and keep changing your mind about the things you know and about the things you believe. And so just as our mind is being renewed to true knowledge, so also our mind can be renewed to false knowledge. So you, get, you have to check this information I'm getting. How is it renewing my mind? What is it making me think? How is it making me think about people? 
How's it making me think about ladies? How's it making me think about my brothers? How's it making me think about the local church? How's it making me think about my purpose, about my life? Because there are informations you will constantly get and you're never satisfied with whatever God gives to you. Instead of having gratitude, you're always complaining. It's not enough. It's not enough. I want more. I want more. It's not enough. Come on, somebody here. Glory to God. It says, according to the image of him who created him. So, we are being renewed. So, let me put it this way now. We, we talked about this in Colossians, right? Um, sorry, not Colossians. We talked about this in First Corinthians. That as we behold in the mirror, we are being transformed into that mirror. Uh, that mirror. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So, let me give you an example. This is, let's say, this is God here, right? This is like God. This is the image represented in Jesus. This is whole true knowledge. This is our mind. So what happens is God constantly feeds our mind. We constantly feed our mind on that true knowledge and we are being changed into the image of who God is. God wants us to be like Him 100%. Because why His sons? So let me give you an example with my son. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we realized that he's grown tall, like, tall. It's almost getting to my height. Right? Now, do you know what we, 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 we did not say, you got to grow up, grow up. Father, let him grow up. Anything that's tying him down, let him not be able to tie him down, Father. He will grow, he will grow. No, no. If you start praying about your child like that, it means there's a, a medical concern. You know what we just did? He just kept eating and kept eating and kept eating. And you know what? We just realized he's growing. Because it, life has been designed that if he eats, he will grow. Are you following what I'm saying? So you realize that is the same thing. You don't need to say, Oh, Father, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. No, 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 no. There's no need to sing those kind of songs. You don't be like God by singing. Carry this book. Feed your mind. Renew your mind. Feed on the word. You will realize one day, those habits you're struggling with, you just ask yourself, where are they? That, I, I need faith. I'm believing God. You realize it's, it's just normal. You know, I was believing God for some money. <laughs> I was telling my wife about it. I was just believing God for some money. I had to actively put my faith. Trusting God for some money. So I was just believing, calling for the money, just praying, feeding myself, concerning God's provisions, concerning provisions. And you realize that this week, I mean, it was amazing. Someone from nowhere, from the US, we're just talking at night. I'm like, oh, how are you doing? How's everything? I said, oh, fine. He's like, oh, I need to just bless you. Sent, asked me for my account blesses me with some amount of money and then I got a mail from India uh, there was a meeting I did for some people in India over Zoom, maybe like 10 minutes message twice in one of their conferences they had, they said, oh we, we want to bless you and, it, and it, I mean money came from I mean all the money that came into my life this week none of them were from here that's what faith does I mean when I had this meeting was maybe two months, when the pandemic started, maybe like March or April. That's when I had a meeting with the India people. I'm sure maybe they had forgotten before, I don't know. I started praying and believing God. Angels like, ah! You get one money for India? Tell, 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 tell. Let's go and bring it. <laughs> Praise God. But you know what? I can do that because I've renewed my mind because God is my source. If I haven't renewed my mind concerning God is my source, what do you think I'm going to do? I'll start putting pressure on people. Faith does not put pressure on people. Faith puts pressure on the word. 
Come on, are you following this now? So we have been renewed according to the image of God. So the knowledge God wants to feed our, feed our mind with is, is, is the knowledge about Himself. Come on, are you still here? Alright. Let's go to Luke 11.52. Luke 11.52. Luke 11.52. He says, What are you experts? In the law, I'm using the NIV version, you can look up, I put this up. What do you expect in the law? Because you have taken away the key to knowledge. So he says, knowledge is a key. If you, if you give these people wrong information, you are giving them access to a wrong place. Look at this. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who are entering. That means by the things you are teaching, you are hindering people from accessing the kingdom. Do you know a pastor can teach you in such a way that you can't access the kingdom? He takes away the key of knowledge. That's why you'll be praying 12 midnight, thinking that it's more special than any prayer you pray 6 o'clock. Can become a hindrance. You know 12 midnight prayers can become a hindrance. Because it's touching that way. There's nothing wrong if you want to pray by 12, but just pray by 12, not because that's where witches are flying. You don't need their timetable in the first place to pray. Are you following this thing? If a pastor constantly keeps teaching you that there's somebody after you, there's somebody after you, there's somebody after you, you might never excel in life because you're constantly looking for who is pursuing you. That he has, he has not, he, the pastor himself has not entered. And he has also prevented you from entering into the kingdom. Instead of entering into the kingdom of rest, you always are in the kingdom of battles. It's a 41 day battle. Battle acts. Prayer. Ha! Say it's not easy. We fight in this ministry. <laughs> Somebody say, but the scripture says the kingdom of God together by violet and violet together by force. I will interpret that scripture to you. That's zero, zero, nothing to do with fighting to enter the kingdom. It just says since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom so far violet. What it means is that it was the day of John the Baptist that the kingdom message started being preached. And from, from that day till now, people are pressing to enter into the kingdom. It has nothing to do with fighting to enter the kingdom. The violet get it by force. Stop reading only King James. Look at this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2. 2 Peter 1, 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Come on. Come on everybody look up. I've got this up. May God give you more and more grace and peace. As you do what? Oh, come on, come on church. We're almost rounding up. As you do what? As you grow in your knowledge of who? How do you have more grace? It's there. The answer is there. This is open book test. You can't fail. If not, you won't go home today. How do you have more grace? Grow in your knowledge of God. How do you have more peace? Grow in your knowledge of God. Lord of God, I need grace. Father, give me grace. God said, my son, grow up. Yes, God is singing back to us, right? Because you know that one of the things God cannot do, He cannot do what He has asked you to do. You need more grace? Grow some more. So the more you feed yourself in the word of God, the more you access grace. But you know the shortcuts by how we like grace? How most ministers have taught us to access grace? If you need the grace in the man of God, put something in the envelope. Just put something in the envelope. So you see me here, studying, praying in tongues, studying, studying the word, praying in tongues, living right. You just hold one five. All this grace for one five. If you want to sow seed, you will sow something solid. Like 200 million or something. 
Someone fights. Ah, oh, oh, I need to Christian in your life. You know when Simon sowed seed like that, what did Peter tell him? The morally perish with you because you're thinking that you can buy the gift of God. You know one of the easiest ways to access grace from a man? Easiest way to access grace from a man of God? Listen to his teachings and act on his word. Grace is transmitted through words. The laying on of hands is there. Of course, you should minister to your teacher. But if you would serve a man of God, his grace will pour on your life. You know, I teach, I teach, my dad teaches way better than me. But I teach like my dad. And it's simple, I sat under my dad for years and took notes. There are people right now who have been in this ministry for a couple of years, if they would teach the Bible, they'll teach it differently right now because they just sit down and take notes. The way to receive the grace that is on the life of a man of God, you can partner with the man financially, but it's not about just partnering because you want grace. It's about sitting down and listening to his teaching. He, the Spirit entered into me as he spoke unto me. John 63, the words I speak to unto you, they are spirit and life. That's why when you, when you, that's why you must also be careful of the ministers you sit under. If you sit under all kinds of ministers, you will open yourself to all kinds of graces. That's why I don't listen to everybody. It's not a statement of pride. It's actually a statement of knowledge. Now, ministers I don't listen to. There are those I listen to. Are you following this now? Alright. Verse 3. By His divine power, God are we there now? Okay, yeah. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by, by what? How do we receive all of this? By coming to do what? To know Him. How many things have you received? I didn't hear you. How many things have you received? I thought you were praying about receiving something from God yesterday. What happened about that? Come to know Him. Come to know Him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory. Look at verse 4. Verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are in his word. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and do what? And escape the world's corruption caused by what? I didn't hear that. Human desires. Is this not the same desire that's the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes? He says the corruption that is in the world is caused by human desires. So when God, when you open yourself through the word of God, He trains your desires. He works on your desires. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's do this last and then we can close. Glory to God. We're going to continue with this on Sunday. Okay? Renewal of mind. Renewal of mind. Let's deal with this now. You know the scriptures down. Just write them down so we can close. John, uh, Joshua 1 8. Book of the Lord shall not depart out of the mouth, but she meditates on it day and night to observe to do all the daring, and you will make your way prosperous. And, uh, yeah, success. You will have good success or make your way prosperous. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to my words. You know, incline your ears, incline your ears, incline your ears, incline your ears to my saying. Hell to all your flesh and medicine to your body. What are the three things you require for mind renewal? If you want to renew your mind, you need time. Come on, everybody say time. I didn't hear you. Everybody say time. Time. If you don't spend time on God's word, you can't renew your mind. Most of you need to feed on the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Feed on the word. Number two, diligence. 
Diligence to study the word. You see what we've been doing on faith that overcomes the word? This is a diligent study on the word. If you want to be a diligent student of the word, you know what you need to do? Go back to your notes today. You know, after you finish class, what's the best way to retain? You go back and study. Go back to your notes today. Open them up. Go through those scriptures. Read them again. Meditate on them again. What are you doing? You're changing your mind concerning something. You're trusting God for a life partner. You want to get married. Why don't you study God's word concerning marriage? Why don't you study God's word concerning finances? Praise God. I think next month I'm going to do a series called Living a Carefree Life in a, in, in a Carefield World. I have to be anxiety free. Most of us, the world pushes anxiety to us. Anxiety anxious over nothing. We don't know how to cast our cares on God because we have not renewed our mind on how to deal with problems. Then the next thing is consistency. Inconsistency lies the power. That's what God told Gloria Copeland. You have to be consistent. You can't renew your mind once a month. Daily when you get a feed on the word. All our messages are free in this ministry. There is no excuse why you shouldn't have any of our messages. Are you struggling with your faith? Go back. Take the faith refresher course. Follow those teachings. Are you struggling with your finances? Take our teachings on finances. Struggling with obeying God? Take the teachings. I've got over 200 messages to 300 messages available in this ministry. Taught over the years. Feed yourself on them. Become a diligent student of these teachings. And feed yourself. Feed yourself. Praise God. One of the things I've determined to do next month, I mean, over this pandemic period, I've done a lot of work, broadcasts, uh, morning devotion, writing a new book, yeah, getting a bit exhausted and tired. I just decided I'm going to take one week off next, next month. And you know what I want to do that one week? Just, just get messages. I just feed myself. Just be fed. Not thinking of what to preach or who to follow or who to counsel or who to pray for. Pray for anybody. Just on my own, feeding myself. Renewing my mind. Because if you're not, you cannot say because you're a preacher, you have fed yourself. No, you have to do it constantly. Somebody blessed. I said, is somebody blessed? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Call everyone blessed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We decree and decree and declare this week is favorable for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.